Welcome to the B-Sides and Beers podcast. Welcome to B-Sides and Beers episode 28. Tonight we are visiting Cranog Ales from Sorrento, BC. Uh, our guest tonight is Brian McIsaac. Uh, he is the founder or one of the founders of Cranog Ales. How are we doing tonight? Yeah, it's good. It's good to see you guys. Yeah, definitely. Thanks for coming out. Good to you. Right on. Yeah, nice <laughs> to have you on here. So... We usually start this uh, off with, uh, we crack some beers and we just talk about what we're drinking. Okay, well, I, I don't have one in front of me, but I was drinking earlier a sati uh, called Heldvithikaila, which means hell yeah in Finnish. Hell yeah. Nice. Wow. <laughs> and what is that? Tell us what that beer is all about. Well, I describe it as a woody lemonade, um, but without the sour portion. And it's uh, it's basically made with barley, rye, brown sugar, and juniper branches. Okay. Yeah, nice. so it's a kind of a Finnish farm farm ale style. Wow, I had never I've never heard of that before. I've never even heard of a you know that kind of style before. But and I didn't even know what was in that either. So uh, that's that's pretty cool. Yeah. Well, ordered up for that salmon on market for you. So yeah, sounds fantastic. <laughs> and what's that called again, sorry? Can you can you say that again? Helviti Kaila. Yeah. It's the name of it, and it's um, it's it's the style is called Sati S A T H I. Nice. Really interesting. You know, I haven't really heard of uh, many Finnish beers before. Is this a, a common one, or it's a national drink of Finland? I would say so. It's, okay, uh, it is. It's well known there, but maybe not on this side of the water. I, I think that people, when they do commercialize it, um, they kind of screw it up. Like my, my, like many things, like when it gets to be too big, it's it stops being as humble of a drink that it's supposed to be. Fair enough. And uh, I, I read through your like uh, as, essentially the, the ethos of of um, of, uh, of your company, and that's basically what you guys stand by, right? Just yeah. keep it within the uh, the footprint of the farm, and it doesn't need to get much bigger than that, eh? Yeah, we're we're likable fanatics, I would say. Right on. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, yeah, if you want to, if you want me to go on about anything that uh, some of our ethos that are happening within the um, uh, philosophies and things, like uh, one of the things we do is uh, make sure that uh, when people say. I want to come for a tasting. And it says, no, you got to get a weed through our propaganda first before you get a taste of our stuff. So we just start <laughs> mind boggling kind of uh, uh, notions for them. Yeah. Take them in the room and make their eyeballs stay open and show them, you know, Cranog Ale pictures, you know, yeah. time down to the chair. Then you can taste. <laughs> Make them help you in the gardens and the yeah, yeah, exactly, Actually, yeah. yeah, yeah. 
Right on. Should we do the rounds? Okay. Mike, what are you drinking there? Go ahead, Mike. Which one? <laughs> <laughs> Mike T, what are you drinking? Mike T, what you drinking? Uh, I have a Thirsty Beaver Amber Ale from Tree Brewing Co. out of Kelowna, BC. Nice. It kind of be classic. Yeah, simple, fi- simple 5%, tall boy. Yeah, it's solid. I visited their brewery once a couple of years back, and it's, uh, it's well, maybe it wasn't directly the... It, it was. It seemed like a pretty small operation when I went there, but um, yeah, it was. It was really cool. So, that was when we went and saw Big Wreck. That's the last time I've been in that place. That was when we went. Okay, yeah. so I've been twice then. So yeah, I, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. That's it. Yeah, really good stuff. Yeah, Dane, what do you got? Uh, I've got a Mount Begbie Tall Timber Ale. Oh. Uh, yeah. Pleasantly surprised. Uh, sort of went off the beaten path with this one. And um, yeah, it's nice, drinkable, easy. Uh, yeah, it's pretty good. Nice. I've got a Phillips Tiger Shark. I haven't had that since like last summer. So going with the uh, 4.7% Tiger Shark. Yeah. Those ones are nice cool. because you can have a couple of them and you're not going to be like sloppy mouthed and yeah. falling um, all over the place. I'm on number two already. So, and we're just rounding the corner. So it's all right. At 4.7, it's not <laughs> going to be too bad. Right. So it's not bad. <laughs> what, uh, what have you got in your lineup right now, Brian? What's, what's the whole Cranog lineup that you have that for sale? And then like, do you have any seasonal things, that kind of stuff? So. Yeah. Yep. So the latest one was a sautier, but uh, the one that's neck and neck with that right now that we've been putting together is uh, is a Pictish Pride, which is a uh, Scottish wee heavy ale that we put together, and we actually smoked it, smoked the barley with our own cherry wood on the property, and so it's got a really light uh, kind of smoke without being too roushy. It's uh. It, it's very drinkable and it's 8.9%. So it's basically get in your car and just whip around places and, you know, and just uh, hit children and all. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. That's fantastic. That sounds enticing, actually. <laughs> it's very drinkable. Not- it's pretty dangerous. Yeah. Yeah. I nice. Bet. I bet. Nice. Okay. Uh, what else? You oh, got? sorry. I'll give you the rest of the rundown. Yeah, yeah, no, it's all good. So, um, so the regular culprits in the lineup there are uh, I've got a something called uh, Wild Gales uh, Potato Red Ale, which is uh, made with our own Russian blue potatoes that we grow here, and that's to basically change up the viscosity of that uh, brew, makes it uh, just soaks it out. And uh, then we have huh. the Red Branch Irish Ale, which is a real treat because to have it, it's it's a good example of the Red Irish style because when it comes over to this side of the water, a lot of people put it together and they put far too much hops in it and it's the caramel malts are the really the star of that show. And then we have an IPA, uh, Insurrection IPA, which is a cross between an old world style ale and a new world style ale. So it's not the uh, cheese grater on the tongue hops kind of action going on. It's, it's, it's very drinkable. The hops presence is there. 
and we dry hop it with uh, the fresh hops that we have on the on the property as well. Then um, we also have something. Actually, the next thing that we're actually going to be brewing probably next week is the um, um, Antifa Ale. So it's uh, we just changed it up the spelling of the anti-fascist thing. So <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, the because they didn't like the previous thing we called it was the not for Nazis nut brown ale. <laughs> Na- Nazi punks fuck off. Exactly. Yeah. Don't wear gloves when punch those guys. You don't want to hurt your hands, right? So. Um, oh yeah. So you know what's uh, interesting. Uh, so, you know, the reason why you don't bury skinheads as compost, because it's true, they're full of shit, but they're toxic. <laughs> so, you know, you don't want to throw that on your farm. And <laughs> so what else do we have? We have uh, the best stout on the planet, the backhand of God. It's our secret weapon. Actually, it's not our secret that, weapon. Everybody knows about it. Yeah, right? that's 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 one that I would like to uh, to, to dig a little deeper into now. Uh, I moved to BC in 2009, and the apartment that I rented when I first moved here was within, you know, a, a three-minute stumbling distance from a local pub that had Backhand of God on tap, and that became my nightly um, drink of choice or keg of choice or whatever whatever the night, you know, if, if you're there for an hour or you're there for eight hours. But uh, I always loved... It, it it was always such a different kind of a kind of a stout, and it stood out. Uh, it, it stood out amongst any other stout that I've ever had. And the one one of the the most entertaining things about it was anytime you walk into a very loud bar, and you always have people yelling out, you know, their their drink orders. And all I had to do was raise a backhand, there you and they go. knew exactly. <laughs> Just raise a silent backhand, and they knew that was it. So, I mean, uh, what, what, where did that idea come from, and where'd you get the name from, and, and you know, why, why is it different than than any other stout that I've had? Well, um, interesting. Well, the, the actual name is uh, got a nice little story behind it as well, but uh, it comes from the Gaelic, and it means uh, uh, basically it's an expression to convey a bolt out of the blue or big surprise. And when we went to uh, put together that um, um, the name to the LDB, they did not like it. And I think they confused it with the, the fear of God. Somebody got abused by their parents or something. And uh, they, were, uh, <laughs> they were saying, no, it's an abusive term. And I said, no, nah, it's not. It's, comes, it's an old Gaelic thing. And, and, they says, and so we're going to use that name. And... Uh, and the LDB says, well, we're going to have to do re- a bit of research on that. So what do they do but phone up all my friends with the Irish pubs in Vancouver? And they knew what was going on. And uh, they, <laughs> they got all insulted. And they says, it's not a violent connotation thing. How dare you say that about Irish people? And uh, <laughs> it's calling us drunks and everything. And uh, so, so you you have a racist attitude there, and all of them had <laughs> verbatim that kind of thing, right? And uh, and then um, so they were not satisfied with those answers, and so they they phoned up the library and asked them for an etymological um, uh, causation on that, and they said, um, and so the what did the library do but give us a call and ask us for a definition? 
of the Bacchanic. <laughs> <laughs> it came oh, full circle. LDB and, yeah, now we have the name, right? Um, so it's interesting, the, the backhand too, um, the guys at the alibi room, uh, they weren't ordering it for a while because what was happening is as soon as it gone on the menu, uh, no other stouts would get sold <laughs> until it's... we ran out of the backhand. Yeah, I can definitely see that. Fantastic. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So anyways, we, we have, it used to actually, we had a couple of batches as it made, uh, before and it was um, uh, we had to call it Black Wolf Found Stout just to get it out the door, you know, because we were sitting on a couple of batches and uh, we were waiting on uh, the the sensors at the LDB there to find to find the graciousness of saying we could we could use the old name of our own beer. Wow, that's crazy! Because you walk into any liquor store now and some of the names of of you know different types of brews and whatnot craft beers especially they're out there and so was this something that happened recently or this was i mean well, obviously when we first uh, i think it was the third brew in we were actually able to sell it as the backhand right. right what's the what's the name of the beer that you're drinking right now mike which one which the Kelowna tree brewing what's that one called oh there you go uh, thirsty beaver. Right. So there's pay, you know, right. We're talking yeah. about thirsty beaver. I mean, and you can't let uh, backhand a God go. I mean, come on. Yeah, no misogynist notions there. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, okay. So is that it for the lineup then, Brian? Is there more? Um, I think I'm just trying to think about what other things we we're putting together. Yeah. We have something that we're uh, putting together now to, called the Strongbow's Demise. And it's basically uh, old, uh, in Strongbow's time, like uh, uh, Richard Declare, the, the Norman guy who was trying to invade Ireland and got ended up getting assimilated himself. Anyways, it was a, a recipe from that time of a braggot. And so we're using our own honey uh, to uh, put, in that, put in that beer. And that's, that's a quite thick morass of uh, a beverage. Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. And that's so coming up? Yeah, it is. Uh, I think that'll be a July thing because we're all about uh, tipping those uh, notions on their head about people drinking light beers in the summertime. So we say, well, fuck that. We'll put together a, a big heavy meatball for you. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Yeah, absolutely. So I think the heavy beers are always good year round anyway. So Absolutely. Yeah. No question. So I think that's all we've got in the can right now. Um, we will be making different ones, yeah. That's awesome. I just wanted to ask you, Brian, like how do you know everything that you know about about beer? Where where did it kind of all start for you and where did you, you know, learn all of this? So I did start as a home brewer before and I was uh, uh, starting – in Vancouver is when I was actually staying in East Vancouver and I was putting that together. But then, uh, I was, I was going, I was putting together some beers for some potlucks with some chef friends of ours who turned up, turned on being some investors of ours. But, um, uh, what had happened was they actually paid a scholarship for me to go down to UC Davis down to the brewing, uh, uh, there's an apprenticeship program down there nice. and, 
and uh, there's uh there's yeah they have a brewing program down there so i got my uh chemistry and everything down there and i was able to uh play around with that and not too heavy into it just only because i want to make sure that i didn't uh sacrifice uh, the craft for science you know you can get you can make the most perfect uh beer that is that is technically good but will it taste any good and uh right. you, know, you filter things out too much or you uh concentrate on just just the alpha acid notions or the um or the uh just the alcohol the best amount of extraction and all those kinds of things i think you'll lose a lot of those off flavors that uh that people were when they were first starting to put together uh alcohol potions well back they were trying to find a way of making alcohol not beer and they ended up with beer and all those happy mistakes gave us our <laughs> beverages today right oh it's 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 you know when you you go that more pure route it's it's almost like it has a little more soul to it right instead of just being some plain mass 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 produced generic something so yeah i think so too and you do this right everything on site brian do you do you do all the brewing on site yeah most certainly yeah we do it about i think i, I worked it out i think we're doing about 150,000 liters a year and that's enough um so we're doing like three brews a week except for now with this uh with this terrible viral time um but we we constant we usually constantly do three brews a week and um a few of those are usually end up in the back end um but <laughs> we have uh, <laughs> we have something called a growth cap strategy which basically means there's a sweet spot where we get to uh, not con constantly grow, but we are we're pretty much the most anti-capitalist people who are using the capitalist system to our advantage. But uh, yeah, we'll just make sure that we're not um, we're not making too much. We you know we uh, take care of our our. Uh, our shelter, our food, our employees, our innovation and everything. And then anything else, uh, if we wanted to make any more beer than that, it would just be ego-driven, really. We don't really need to do that much. And uh, it's nice that we live on a farm because we can feed ourselves in that as well. So if I don't feel yep. ruined, it's not getting done. <laughs> wow. I respect the hell out of that, Brian. I got to tell you that. That's, you know... That, I don't think that that's the normal person's reaction to that, right? I think that a lot of people, you know, if you see the opportunity to brew more and to make more money and to take it to the next level, but decide against it because it seems like it's egotistical. It's a different approach. I don't think that's normal. No, no. And I'm quite happy to be abnormal. And I'm not saying that, yeah, I don't get me wrong on that. I mean, like, you know, not the norm, rather more than, you know what I mean? Yeah, no, I, I just like that. I like that whole mentality. We're quite fanatical about things. Um, we're the thinking person's beer. And uh, we just try to make sure that we uh, we really only brew beer to use the microphone to try to uh, get people thinking. And, uh, and also, too, we find that uh, with activism and that, uh, a lot of things, especially environmentalism, it's there's all it's always fear driven, and we want to we want to push people through inspiration and example instead. 
And that's uh, fantastic. Story. Yeah, that's a better path, way, definitely. The way Daniel Ortega says, uh, "Got to have something after the revolution to do some uh, something you're working towards, not not just a revolution for the sake of fighting." You got to make sure you have a, a master plan after. Yeah, and and have some joy and peace at the end, hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> And, and that's the reason why we do the tours as well, just to make sure we can show them things like with the hops and everything. We, um, we put out a, uh, we figured out how to do it on this scale. And then we put out a manual that's downloadable free on our, our website, or you can give us some money so we can print it out and send it to you. But um, it's essentially to make sure that people can hit the ground running and get working on stuff and we already have jobs, so we don't have to make money uh, selling proprietary knowledge or or keeping that hidden or everything. We make sure that people are doing the stuff and making sure that they can make a difference here and now. So, is this more about uh, a closed economy, understanding how to how to create something within like a sustainable system, or is this more geared towards the brewing side of things? Um, I would say both and how I'd answer it is that uh, it's not supposed to be closed economy. We're supposed, uh, we really do think about working within community. Right. And right. that's important to us. We don't want to become self-sustainable. We want to make sure that we're not totally dependent on people, but we want people, we do want to be dependent on certain people within the grand village of the scheme want to say, well, everybody has a point, have a place in this village to help each other out and, and make sure that we can, uh, like, we're really against the lone wolf kind of idea that uh, we are going to do it ourselves. We do depend on community and they do depend on us. And we're the friendly neighborhood brewer in that community, right? We, we provide a function. We're not uh, money traders or anything like that, or we don't hoard our resources, we make sure that we share and only take our share, like water. And that's part of the reason why we're not constantly growing as well, because we don't want uh, the abhorrent idea of monopoly to rear its ugly head in our direction. Fair enough. Wow. Yeah. That's awesome. So then uh, I'm just going to follow that up with another question. Uh, it, it, did you find this i mean as far as being like a, a a brewer did it sort of help this idea of you know being um, an integral part of the community first of all but also you know uh, like i said I, I read through the the website and, and you mentioned footprint was brewing something that that really helped you to sort of exercise this notion or was this there before the brewing um it was before and it certainly has its legs in that kind of, that kind of concept for sure yeah the, um we uh oh i had a notion but i can't remember exactly what i was going to say the uh i think that um oh uh, uh, have to pass on that question. <laughs> <laughs> so, 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 I'm getting deep. I'm three beers in. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Brian, tell us about free for all. Oh, free for all. Right. So I think in context that you're wanting me to speak to is, uh, 
the uh, I just had my 30th anniversary with my my wife yesterday. And Congratulations! Congratulations. Yeah. Congratulations. Yeah, it's just amazing. I'm sure maybe you guys aren't even that old yet. I don't have an idea, but <laughs> yeah. we're all pretty much forty. Yeah, okay. yeah. Um, yeah. We're, all, we're all in our forties. Okay. Um, so yeah, we uh, I invited her to our band, uh, one of our gigs, free for all, the Twilight Zone in uh, Vancouver, Gastown at the time, and so we played there. It was it's kind of funny because I just wrote I've inter- been writing short stories lately, and and one of the stories I put together is an event that happened at the Twilight Zone. Um, friend of mine, Greg, uh, who was our uh, driver here, passed away uh, uh, just about. I'm going to say about three weeks ago. Yeah, I saw that in the news. So sorry. I read all about it. I had no idea. Yeah, so he's um, he had an underground. Uh, we had a few things. We had a couple of booze cans together. But he had one called the Watt Gallery that was in Gastown. And uh, after the gig, myself and Rebecca went there. And uh, so I went out to go get some drinks for my new- newfound love. And uh, she... Uh, she was sitting there waiting, and then one of my uh, housemates at the time started chatting her up. And I says, "Well, this cannot, this cannot stand." And uh, <laughs> so I basically uh, freed her from the clutches of the evil interloper. And I and I basically uh, picked up her chair with her upon it and moved her to a different table. <laughs> and the rest <laughs> well, is history. Too. Yeah, yeah, she's always telling that story too because she's like, it's pretty hot. So <laughs> it's a good one, though. Yeah, it's a good one. Yeah. That's awesome. So, so yeah, we had Knoxville's last night for, I think it's, uh, somebody said it was Pearls for the uh, the 30th anniversary, but I think it's Nachos. Like, it really is. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> no question. So, okay. <laughs> So what? So the, what band? Uh, one of my bands. Yeah, that was Sorry. one of your bands, hey? Yeah, I had uh, the first uh, really well known was we went on tours uh, across Canada and that as well with the Immoral Minority. Yeah, I, I saw that too. I saw, I looked that yeah, up too. So yeah, yeah, yeah. The thing is, we were going to be Immoral Majority, but we're only three people, so you know, do the math. <laughs> can't really call ourselves. <laughs> it's a great band name, though. Yeah, it, it it was it was a great. Uh, I guess we were billed as the fastest band in van when we were when we were the bass there. Oh, that's yeah. awesome! Fuck yeah, awesome! That's yeah, fantastic. and it's actually actually uh, my brother was on uh, downloading some stuff, so you can see a really baby faced kind of uh, video at the waterfront in um, just uh, east East Vancouver. Um, I think it's nineteen eighty five. And we played there, and uh, there's a couple of ones, and and also we had a, something called Neo Morte, which and where there's a video on there too. It's on Rock Against Prisons at Crab Beach, and so we we, we played lots of gigs. Not so. You guys send me the links. I I think I found the the free for all live at the Twilight Zone, Vancouver, BC. Right, that's yeah. the one. Yeah. Okay. We, I found that one. I pass it on to the guys too. It's yeah, oh, it's badass right from the beginning. It's fantastic. Like, you know, it's kind of even tough to believe. You said it was ninety one. Is that right? Ninety one. Ninety one. Yeah. yeah, it's tough to believe that that's even ninety one. You know, like it kind of looks like it happened last week almost. But 
it yeah it, yeah yeah like it kind of st- stands up i guess that way right but um so was this before was this band before uh immoral minority no immoral minority was in 1980 well it started oh, sorry right you said 85 that's right yeah that was yeah. that gig and uh so i think it was 1984 we started okay but that, that video was from then as well and, and it was kind of nice we had a great 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 time going across canada and played uh played in uh, cafe alternative and uh in the ottawa university basement with a uh, cnfu and and we uh we're on their tour uh roster for the uh the eastern part of canada and then hooked up with detox from uh la and played the rest of canada and, and uh this brilliant uh tete-a-tete um uh, uh food bank or food food fight on the road with similar vans we kept on throwing all the condiments on their van and and we <laughs> cheddar etc it was just it's just yeah it was a lot of fun spraying the gray poupon on somebody else's exactly van. yeah <laughs> <laughs> well those guys had it organized because they had a they had a uh a built-in place to put their equipment and stuff like that. And uh, we didn't, we just, you know, slept on top for drum kit and stuff and whatever stuffed ourselves in on top of all the equipment and that, and, but they had it down. They, they were seasoned travelers for sure. Yeah. <laughs> what, what happened to moral minority then? What, what led to the, the oh, demise? I wrote a song about it actually. It's uh, it's uh, basically my, my drummer's, dad broke up the band 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 through uh and he basically said well look you take take this education that i'm gonna offer you and go to guelph or and it's a one-time deal only and they said and so he had to leave and and he was the best drummer he was actually drummer and singer and songwriter as well he was really quite good and i'm uh, drummers yeah just amazing <laughs> I, I couldn't believe that he was actually able to sing and play the drums at the same time but he did it leave on helm Anyways. style yeah yeah the band yeah yeah well the neil morty uh band was we we uh we said we were the armed wing of Def leopard right <laughs> dane's a big Def leopard fan so he appreciates that uh, yeah i got no shame in that <laughs> no it's all good it's just like somebody has to be the right hand man, as it were. <laughs> oh, uh, go, going back to the what has nine arms and sucks. That's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah. So you're still playing today? Um, I have a bass and um, and all the accoutrements, and we did a we did a reunion tour a couple of years ago up at the farm because uh, we have a bunch of bands come play at the farm as well. And uh, DOA is supposed to still, if everything goes uh, to according uh, to uh, the master plan, they're supposed to be here July 10th this year, but they've played our place a couple of times with the real McKillicuddy's. And, um, and I was, I was uh, talking to uh, uh, Paul McKenzie the other day too. And, and so hopefully they'll come up and play uh, this year as well. If this COVID thing happens, uh, stops, but but yeah, the uh, rebel spell played here before and a whole bunch of other bands and that. And so we, 
obviously practiced and made sure that we um, played as well as we did back then, which was kind of okay. <laughs> yeah. How long between like when you guys broke up and when the reunion was, how long was that? Fuck, I think it was about uh, 10 years. Wow. The, the original band that is. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so, but we were thinking about, I was just talking to my brother the other day and he said he was going to do some rewrites on some of the free for all songs because they're pretty much, um, they're pretty good, except they're really, uh, uh, they're not very professional and the time changes and everything. It, uh, it seems to go bang, bang, right? Instead of it going, okay, there should be a bridge or something there. There should be something. <laughs> <laughs> but it just ends up sounding kind of experimental and I think it's quite reasonable, but oh, there you go. No, no rules to punk. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. Sure. Did, did, did you uh, did you guys ever play with No Means No or or that sort of a scene or Fuck No Means No, so so No Means No they <laughs> they're the only band in Vancouver with a manager at the time, so they scooped all the really good gigs all the time. Uh, oh, interesting. Yeah. So something, and we always thought of them as college guys, and they were kind of a less less of an edge than a lot of us. Um, although. You know they put together okay music for sure, and they they are reasonable guys for sure. Um, so no, I never played with them. Um, we actually uh, on the on the nights that they were playing, we had uh, retaliation gigs across town. <laughs> <laughs> and we said, "Look, you'd probably be able to dance that kind of music, but not ours." <laughs> Was the scene good then? Brian, like, was it was, amazing? Yeah, it was jumping then, hey? Yeah, you know, it was really when people talk about the 80s um, in pop culture, they always, I, I don't know where their fucking heads were at because they, they missed out on a huge subculture that happened, especially in the lower mainland. I, I kid you not, there was easy, easily 20 bands, uh, independent bands, and uh, there's Bill of Rights, House Commons, there's, uh, uh, there's Shanghai Dog. Yeah, and like the venues to support those bands too, right? Yeah. 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 And then, That's yeah, right. there was uh, Luxury Bobs and John Barty's and uh, the Waterfront and Twilight Zone. And uh, there's a place uh, before the uh, Nigel's uh, Speakeasy. Um, <laughs> it was called the Archimedes Club at that time. And um, and uh, and that, then it became the Alibi Room afterwards. But we played at that place before it became the Alibi Room. Um, and yeah, there was just, it was a huge scene. Um, we, there was, uh, all the other, uh, places like Wendy 13 had operational stuff and that was actually the early nineties as well. So, so yeah, we, we, I think it was a really good time to be alive and thank God because, uh, when disco was abusing us with their four, four misogynist type fucking music, um, we, uh, we, it, you know, hide the razor blades, right? But punk rock saved our lives, right? There no you question. Go. Was there a, was there a certain band or a specific band that stood out to you in that, not necessarily the Vancouver scene, but influenced you in punk, like a, like a Cro-Mags or that sort of a deal? Um, yeah, yeah. There's a bunch of them. I mean, obviously Black Flag and, uh, DKs and, uh, the uh 
oh, of course, my favorite band is Bad Religion, and they're still yes. going. And uh, yeah. they're people's grandfathers, right? And they're just no still kidding. putting it together. And, uh, you know, they got the wheelchair accessible gigs, of course, right? Because uh, some of their following and stuff have to get there with walkers and all. Oh, yeah. I saw those guys <laughs> in uh, like the Tipton Hockey Arena one time, like in Edmonton. It was just like the littlest hockey arena. And I just, I saw them there and they were great. They were fantastic. Yeah, yeah. They always put on a good show. And then, of course, uh, Dropkick Murphys and stuff like that later on. Beauty. It was very yep. good. And I like, obviously, I would like those because uh, they seem to be doing uh, the Irish thing a good nod. It's, it's <laughs> kind of their deal. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. So you want to talk about beer more? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We're, we're down with anything, man. We, we jump all over the place on this thing. We, we yeah, kind sure. of go so, Yeah, no. I wanted if to talk music, know, yeah, too. And... I'll just make it up. Yeah, yeah, no, let's talk more beer. That sounds good. What else, uh, what's going on there right now as far as like, you know, COVID rules and like what What are you guys, you know, can you still pick up growlers and how, how do people get the product and all that kind of stuff? Yeah, the COVID's been really hard on us because uh, we're primarily a draft um, organization. And um, so if uh, people can't have people in their bums in the pubs and restaurants, we can't sell them beer because they're, they're going to be sitting on stuff. We actually had to pay for a whole bunch. And, and I'm sure a lot of uh, breweries didn't do this, but basically we bought back beer that people just had sitting in their, in their coolers because they couldn't sell it. And, oh, wow. oh, and so man. we just did the, did the deed, deed and made sure that we, they weren't out of pocket and not right. And, um, and I think it helped out with uh, keeping people loyal to what, we're putting out there um so we still have tours and maximum six people same bubble all that language right um so the um um so but we do sell growlers we do have growler point drops for them as well like we'll go down to Kelowna every couple of weeks and uh, meet people at uh, one of the other farmers that we know the organic farmers and uh so we'll get pre-orders and bring them down. Then we also go every couple of weeks to uh, uh, Cantaloupes and do the same thing and drop it off at the Staples parking lot kind of thing. <laughs> and uh, yeah. yeah, just nice and uh, backhander as it were off the side. <laughs> and, and then, uh, yeah, we're uh, going to be doing the Sorrento's market, I guess next weekend um, is starting up and then, uh, then coming up, uh, it'll be starting every week at the Salmon Arm organic market. So we, yeah. And we might even do the interview one again this year. Yeah. Those that the interview one's big. And so is that Sorrento one too. Every time I drive past it, it's, I'm surprised at how large it is. Like there's quite a few booths. It's pretty amazing. Yeah. And I, and I was able to uh, talk him into, I, I'm on the board there and um, I talked him into letting me sell glassware and t-shirts there as well which is something that usually doesn't happen but because they wanted to make sure that we got some uh swank out there that uh, we could uh just to uh help us out basically but because it's all my own artwork right so yeah and um, we wanted to ask you about that too about the the artwork and where you came up with that and yeah where where that came from well i've been an artist before i was a brewer 
And I actually went to Capilano College for a couple of years for the fine arts program and communication and political science there and uh, linguistics. And uh, so um, I was able to uh, take take all those uh uh, how to how to put things together, and I just it was really it, the idea with the artwork was to make sure that I was putting a nice piece of art on people. Then later on, they'd figure out it was a beer. You know, it's not a beer T-shirt; it's this piece of art, but it masquerade as a uh, a bit of a beer T-shirt as well. So people were just even people who are not drinking beer want to get the T-shirts and wear it. Yeah, you definitely pulled it off. That's awesome. Yeah. And but, is, uh, that, yeah, is that the original? Like, has that changed? Have those has that look changed over the years since you opened, or is that uh, like the way it's? Always I think been? I'm getting crisper with it. Yeah. Um, but not. Um, I just understanding the technology and how to get it on the computer. I still do all the hand drawing and everything. I used to actually do the amber cut things with uh, with silk screens before, yeah. and that was. It's just it's totally unheard of and people look at me like i've got a couple of different heads when i talk about that kind of thing it's just how, <laughs> how, how would you do every single color um screen in amber cut and how do you get that registration properly and all that stuff right um and the answer is most people don't and uh we actually use uh this guy named zelko from hacker media in richmond because he uh he does all the bad religion shirts and uh no effects and uh all these other things that but he has brilliant registration he's an artist uh uh craftsman unto himself and so we we uh if you ever if you ever need to get any t-shirts done that's your man that's good to know good good to know good to, good to know. know definitely that's awesome so yep still having fun with it i'm coming up with a new design and and uh, we're we we're trying not to resell our uh, 20th anniversary shirts, or I mean, <laughs> um, so the uh, the glassware. And uh, but people have convinced us that they're going to buy a whole whole shipment. So okay, we'll we'll do it again. And we'll <laughs> yeah. Cross. They're going to buy it. Cross out of the 20th and put a number one off on the side or something. <laughs> That's a great idea. <laughs> That's awesome. So you you still hand draw all that stuff, hey? Yeah, yeah, and uh, and I ink it, and I had some problems with my vision last year, so it was really nutty. It's it's resolved itself, but uh, basically I would go to pencil draw it, and then I would go to ink it in, but then I was looking at the pencil lines, and there were three of them. There was only supposed to be one, and I was trying to guess which one I was trying to ink, right? What a mess. So so I just pressed harder and then just – <laughs> just just pick one of the three and hope you get get the right one. No kidding. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but uh, yeah, still still do that, and and I think it's it got a little bit more of a uh, less uh, more of a hard edge to it, and that's I think that's kind of important. To, it's kind of like punk rock, right? You want you don't want it too polished. Yeah, it's uh, awesome. Sir, and the yes, fact that sir. you do it too is also fantastic, right? Like, I guess I just, I like the idea of doing it all right there. You know, like the whole operation is in one spot rather than getting outsourced to all these different locations, right? So um, I, I appreciate that side of it too. 
Yeah, we have. Well, it's nice because we, I don't know if you know this, but we have uh, the original equipment from uh, Horseshoe Bay Brewing. Okay. So they were the first uh, wow. microbrewery in Western Canada. Yeah. And uh, they started They started up in 1981, I believe. And uh, so we have all their old equipment. So when they shut down, it was uh, uh, being brewed under, I guess, they were brewing Bowen Island, brewing uh, brews and that as well. Yeah. And then... Uh, Anyways, we scooped it up from them for a song and brought it up here, and it's all really good old stainless steel, so it's uh, got more nickel content in it, which is better for, I guess, alchemy, uh, easier to clean, uh, easy to, uh, like, it It has a better uh, heat transfers on the calandrias and things like that. That's awesome. So, uh, yeah. yeah. It's way better, and, and it's, it's just, yeah. Oops, there I am. Sorry. <laughs> oh, good. So when did you... I know, I have the hero light behind me. When were you able to buy that equipment? Because um, I, I would go to that pub, you know, before all of this happened. Sure. And I'd grab pints there on my way back to the island and, you know, do a little bit of research and, um, you know, talk to one of the bartenders and he told me that story as far as, like, um, them being one of, you know, the first sort of uh, breweries in that area. When did you get that equipment? They shut down in. Um, yeah, they shut down. Jeez, uh, I'm trying to remember exactly because they had a different kind. This other guy had got had the equipment and he was brewing with it. It was a really terrible setup. Was so, but he was in North Van, and so instead of calling it Horseshoe Bay, we called it the McGill Street Underpass Brewery. And uh, they said, no, we're Horseshoe Bay. And go, no, no, yeah, that's over that way. That's a little bit more west of you, but in North Vancouver there. So, um, or no, it's just, I guess it's East Van, just uh, near the Iron, Iron Workers Memorial Bridge. Um, so, second narrows, I guess we were calling it. So, yeah. the, um, so yeah, I, I got it. Um, the guy had been brewing with it up until the day that we decided to take it away. And so that was in um, uh, to 1999. 99, okay. And so that's when we started placing everything here. We had to, we had to build the place. Uh, we bought our pl this place in 1999 in the winter. And then it took us a year to uh, build the thing and then uh, put all the some of the polishing touches on it, but uh, we were actually, um, uh, everything was really, we, we had to change a lot of the equipment. We couldn't use some of it because it was air cooled um, uh, fan units and stuff and condensers. And so it was uh, water cooled and we couldn't do that because we had a well and we can't use that, that much water to do that with, right? And so we had to change it up. And also some of it was geared towards the three-phase. We only had single-phase being up in a rural uh, property. And, um, and what, uh, what made us pick this place is not only the organic community, but the, the well water itself here was hard. And I can't put together uh, uh, soft, soft world-type 
uh, brews, I have to actually use the hard water to offset the acidic uh, malts that I use in the darker in the darker beers that I put together. If I tried to use in soft water, it would make it taste really annoying and it would uh, be really acrid and, uh, and um, <laughs> yeah, have that metallic bite to it kind of thing. Interesting. So do you, I mean, you guys obviously spend a lot of time in Vancouver area. What, I mean, there must've been other places that were kind of, you know, areas at least that were kind of like Sorrento. So what, what made you both decide on Sorrento? Like what, what about it? It was at the uh, end of our list of places to look at. We had, uh, we had checked out Comox and Courtney and, and there was logistics getting malt at the time uh, because uh, remember to certified organic ingredients was, wasn't the, the dish of the day. Uh, there was no one doing it. There was, it was really funny because the guys who were putting together the certified organic malt was Cargill at the time. Oh, yeah. And then Cargill dropped it because they didn't think there was any future in organics, <laughs> which I thought was hilarious. But uh, we, so anyways, there are some things we had to be able to get the stuff in the first place and to get it onto the island from the prairies was just a cumbersome kind of detail so we um so we decided to come up here because we are also new farmers and that we could use some of their ingredients and also what we did is um we had some meetings with people up and down the west coast of uh, canada and america um and it was getting all the microbreweries and uh, the brew pubs together and we we proposed that say well would you put together one organic beer in your lineups and everybody put up their hand and they said we'll do this so we so we got all their names they went to gambrinus who's an armstrong regular uh conventional monster and he basically um took took all this new market and he basically converted half of what he's doing in Gambrinus to certified organic malting. Wow. So we had those kind of adventures that uh, are now um, it's easy to easy to get things like hops. I mean, that's why reason why we decided to grow on our own hops because all of what was available for certified organic hops was all lager variety hops. And so we had to get um, other conventional hops and grow them out to make them certified organic. And so now we have 17 different varieties of hops that we're growing here and they're all ale wow. varieties. Wow. What a production for, for a relatively small, you know, company just to, just to take all those extra massive, amazing steps. That's fantastic. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's what keeps us interested, right? And we're else we're used to being activists, so it basically just um, just makes us uh, give give a little bit of attention to the uh, the uh, commerce side of it, uh, the the brewing culture. So we just kind of pass that along that way. Definitely, right on. Is uh, I was wondering also is is there any way I know you've probably thought about it or avoided it for whatever reason, but. Uh, how you said that everything for the most part is draft um, draft based company wise uh, what is stopping you or why, why would you not go into even like a, a limited run 
canning situation where you know you've you've got certain places where like how you mentioned how you bought back stuff that wasn't selling is there a way to make that in a more smaller accessible size where i can you know go to a specific play uh, uh, uh liquor store or whatever in a small town wherever in bc and grab a six pack or a 12 pack that kind of thing just to you know keep your 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 uh, stock rolling right instead of dealing with always kegs and always you know well uh, part of it is footprint uh we we have a very small place and we're able to do that on alr land because it's under 100 square meters and we can't do uh industrial sprawl on the property and everything's intensively put together like we say we have the uh the hops and we have sheep and we have pigs and chickens and then we have a full garden and greenhouse so there's no really absolutely no room to throw any canning and things it's uh uh we had to actually make some more uh or retrofit the space a little bit that we had to make sure that we could do uh the growlers uh we've been pushing um the other way making sure we're trying to figure out a way of getting the LEB to allow growlers to be in cold beer wine stores and things like that, because that would solve that issue. Um, but uh, part of it is we're all, we want to make sure that we're having reusable containers only. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and that way we can actually take uh, responsibility for what happens downstream. Like if we're cleaning all these vessels that come back to us, we're going to do it in an environmentally sensitive way. So whatever goes down our drains, which actually don't actually go down our drain at all, it goes down to holding tank, which is pH balance and used and used for irrigation or animal watering. It's all potable water afterwards. It's just warmed up a wee bit, right? After our process. Um, so when, and that's one thing I wanted to impress upon you is that most breweries have about a seven to one uh, water to product ratio, and we've gotten it down to two. two. Oh. And and even that stops at the uh, brewery door after what ha- happens at the brewery door. As I say, it goes down that drain and it goes into a 400 gallon um, uh, conditioning tank. And then that'll go on to our back fields to irrigate the sheep fields and things. And so it's a concept of no waste here. We only recycle as a last resort and that's mostly office things. That's brilliant. I love it. So yeah, we're trying to do that. And that's, that's part of the reason why we've resisted canning for so long. Um, I know James, so I was talking to James at storm there and he was uh, got a thirty thousand uh, dollar canning machine, and it's been working really well for him. But he has space to put that together. We just don't have it, and that's the the bare bones of it. Between inventories of holding on to the cans, um, and um, and also just the equipment to do it properly instead of a really bad um, single canner or something. Uh, and also really dealing with the LDB is best left alone. You know, we just yeah. really don't want to deal with those guys because what happens with the cans and that if it doesn't actually sell in their stores or the bottles don't sell in their stores, you have to buy it back from them 
a lot of people don't r- realize that. But uh, if it's it gets stalemated, you have to buy it back from them anyway. So it's basically the same kind of situation we would find ourselves in. Right. And also, too, you know, you know, a free range beer going into a can. Yeah. What the hell? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, Brian. Thanks. So, thanks so much for joining us. This was absolutely like super interesting. Uh, I I learned a ton uh about <laughs> about so many different things actually but uh yeah it was it was great sorry guys do you have anything else you kind of wanted to add or no i think that's i think that's covered everything man. yeah, I was yeah. Just, i'm just i was just super floored to actually be able to talk to you and you know like i said get to the the bottom of 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 just just your whole setup and the backhand of god thing and you know, because it, it's it's one of those products that anyone that I've spoke to that has any interest in a stout, I've always pushed it. You have to try this. You have to come to BC. You need to make this happen at some point because it's <laughs> it's well worth the trip. I mean, I've like I said, I've had more than my share, and it's it's fantastic, man. It's always been brilliant. So, thanks so much for making that, man. Nice shirt, by the way. Thank you. <laughs> Well, I'm coming for uh, I'm coming for some growlers then, so uh, I'll, I'll I'll see you at the farmers market. Okay, if I'm not there, certainly uh, give it a wink and a nod to Rebecca because she'll be yeah. there if I'm not, and uh, she's also very well media savvy, and so she's quite happy to talk to people, and she's knowledgeable more on the farm side than the brewing side, and that's and. Very well read, very, very intelligent partner to have. It's lovely. Yeah, I bet. Well, we'd love to have both of you guys on maybe one time. That would be cool. Just to, I just do that. Yeah, to give both sides of it. It's not my own show, right? I want to make sure that um, whoever works for me is part of what it is, and they should take credit for all the stuff because I wouldn't. I, I, I. There's no pretense. I can't do things alone, and I don't want to do things alone. And those guys are are golden to me. That's awesome. That's awesome. Thanks, Brian. It's so nice to meet you. Thanks, Brian. Thank you so much. Yeah, we'll be in contact. We'll we'll talk soon. I'm I'm kind of I'm really glad that yeah, I met someone you. cancels out at last minute, and <laughs> and you need to have somebody will just jump in. Ah, uh, yeah. Get in. Uh, you might be a regular. <laughs> <laughs> Deal. Okay, I can just make up stuff if I don't know it. Absolutely. This whole thing could have been made up. You could have fooled us. So, <laughs> baffle with bullshit. Yeah, took exactly. The, took the blue pill. Yeah, absolutely. That's right. Cool. Take it easy. Okay, thanks, thanks guys so much. All the best to you, all right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you, you too. too. Cheers. Cheers. Okay.